Hello and welcome to the Long Day's Journey into Film podcast. I'm Russ, here with my co-host. Andy here. We're going to be talking about Yojimbo and Paris, Texas today. Stick around for that. It, it will be a spoiler discussion, so keep that in mind in case you haven't seen them yet. Uh, both movies are on HBO Max if you haven't seen them. So. And Criterion Channel, so at least in the U- U.S., because Criterion Channel isn't everywhere for some reason. Before we get into the movie discussion, I'd like to give a quick shout-out the Movies and More dis- Movie Discord server. Uh, it's a great server, a lot of cool people, and some really cool movie events. So check that out, there'll be a link in the description. And also check out the Film Collective movie server. It's a big server with a lot of people, and also a lot of movie events. So check that out too if you want. Also, link in the description. And... Um... Anything else we should shout out while we're shouting stuff out? Um, our letterbox, our letterboxed accounts will be in the description as well if you care to follow us. And uh, we also have an Instagram page now, so you can go follow us there at yeah. Long Day's Journey into Film. And there'll be um, updates and stuff, updates and announcements for what we're going to talk about and when the episodes are coming out. Usually we'll be uploading on Monday, so every week, what we're shooting for now. Is there any movie news of any sort you'd like to talk about? Um, this might be, a, might be a thing we do in every episode if it catches on. But. Criterion has announced that they're going to do some 4K movies now. Which is epic. I've been waiting for that. Um, starting with Citizen Kane. Yes, nice. Which really does seem like a good movie for Criterion to start off with, you know, with everyone considering it to be like yeah. the greatest film ever made stuff. And like, I can't believe that they don't even have a Blu-ray of it. <laughs> like, uh, I know it's on like, I think Criterion Laserdisc. Um, so it is technically in the collection, but like, I don't know, it's kind of kind of odd that they don't even have a Blu-ray of it yet. But I guess they were waiting. There was a movie... I think it's it's one of the only interview not interviews commentaries Stanley Kubrick ever did, and it was on the laser disc of one of his movies. I don't remember which. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with the laser discs at all. Um, I want to say it was probably like, um, what's the movie he did? Uh, Full Metal Jacket. That's what I'm thinking of. Hmm. So I didn't, I didn't know that was in the in the collection. Um, we should do, we should talk about some some Kubrick films at some point. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, I have uh, most of his. I have most of his stuff from when he was really taking off. Yeah, I've seen all of yeah. them. Um, I'd like to rewatch a lot of them. I did a big binge and watched all of his marathoned all his films last, I think September. Not really sure, but um, yeah, he's got some, he's got some great stuff that I'd like to talk about. But, the um, uh, I just googled it here. Uh, the uh, commentary was it was like seventeen minutes of commentary on Doctor Strangelove. Huh. Okay, that's cool. Um. Also, I think let's see. Let me check. Yeah, Mulholland Drive would be getting a four K Criterion release or re-release since it's already got a Blu-ray, so that's cool. Um, I'll probably pick up that too. In, I think, November, they're doing it. Um, a few other titles. Let me see. Uh, 
Mulholland Drive Blu-ray on Criterion. I have not watched the movie yet, though. You need to get on that. That's a that's a good one. Definitely cover it for a future episode. For sure. Oh, also, they're doing a Menace to Society, The Piano, The Red Shoes, and a Hard Day's Night will all be on 4K. Um, that's cool. Menace to Society. I think that's a. I don't think that's in the collection yet. Um. Unless it's on Laserdisc, I'm not really sure, but... So that's cool. Yeah, just a little Criterion update for those who follow that type of thing. Okay, so now we're going into the Jimbo discussion. Uh, and this was a... So this episode, we're doing a... We took recommendations from our listeners. So if you want to recommend a movie, we're, we'll be doing this every third episode. And just leave your recommendation in the YouTube comment section. Um, this recommendation was from Nicole N. So shout out Nicole N. Yeah, so this is Yojimbo from 1961, directed by Kurosawa, the one and only Kurosawa. And yeah, so what is what is this one about? Uh, Yojimbo is about Sinjuro. A lone drifter, or ronin, if you will, comes into town and unknowingly walks into a gang war and decides to help when he realizes it's thrown the town into chaos. And that's, I mean, pretty much the gist of it. And starring Shiro Mifune, and I might have said that wrong, and Tatsuyo Nakede, um, who are considered two of the greatest uh, Japanese actors, and they work with Kurosawa a lot. Um, so what do you think of this one? Um, I kind of have mixed feelings on it, surprisingly. I know it's Kurosawa, and I'm supposed to love it, but I, I, I don't. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, this was my, my second Kurosawa. Um, the first one was The Hidden Fortress. Yeah, that one I also enjoyed, but um, neither of these have, like, blown me away. Um, like... A lot of people describe their experiences watching these films, and I kind of yeah I haven't seen a Kurosawa yet that's really really clicked with me. Um, I still need to see like some of his most famous things, like most famous films like Seven Samurai and Akiru um, and High and Low. But yeah, I, I thought it was good. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's it's a fun movie. Um, it looks great, that's for sure. Good cinematography, um, good camera work. It's a very, uh, Kurosawa seems to be a very visual director. Oh, for sure, yeah. Which, it, it, it's fine. I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> and I saw that there was supposed to be, or there is some thematic elements of old versus new, and I can kind of see that, especially with the introduction of the gun towards the latter half of the film. Yeah, with um, Tatsuyo and Nakede's character. At the same time, I feel it's more, like, low-key about politics, almost. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, I didn't really get a lot of, um, I didn't get a lot of, like, deeper themes or ideas out of this film. It's just kind of a, to me, it's just kind of a, um, it's like a fun samurai, it's not really an adventure film, like, I don't know if the Hidden Fortress or something was, but, um, it's in one location. For yeah, yeah it, it, it's um, 
it's more of maybe, maybe this is the wrong way to say it, but like kind of a popcorn film. Um, like I, I don't think there's a lot like thematically um, like a lot of deeper meanings in it. Uh, maybe I'm just missing something. I'm not sure, but um, I mean, I yeah, did I, catch a couple lines throughout the film that were just felt like it was throwing shade towards money instead of traditionalism, which I guess actually does go back to the old versus new themes present. Because I don't exactly remember who said it, but there's a line in the movie, uh, you can't build a fortune unless you're known as a killer and a thief. Yeah. yeah which is a the, very um... uh, poignant line even today. And uh, I guess um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Business side of things? Like money? Yeah, and greed. A lot of for it sure. is based around money and greed. Yeah, like the um, rivalry between the two gangs, which are actually the two gangs are one is a split off of the original gang, which is the reason why the movie even happens in the first place. Yeah, I really, I really like the whole um, the whole thing how um Sanjiro, the main character, um, I mean we don't actually know his name, but he calls himself Sanjiro. He's just kind of the nameless, um, nameless samurai that you know he's kind of just wandering without a purpose kind of um but I, I really like how he's playing the two sides against each other that's really interesting um uh, i like the way that that, that whole um how he's kind of tricking both sides and playing against each other it was about it very cleverly and uh i mean he does end up getting caught yeah the latter half of the film. To a pulp by the giant guy who carries a hammer around I really liked him. He was a cool character. <laughs> I, I really um, like the... I don't remember his name, but the uh, samurai with the uh, gun. Really interesting character. And of course, there's that shot towards the end of the film where the um, silk merchant place is burning down. And like his face is centered like right next to the flames. Yeah, that was a good like, shot. Yeah. Yeah, really... Um... Yeah, he was a good character. I did want to say that Kurosawa is amazing at blocking. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great shots and stuff. And I, I definitely noticed more of the shots this time around. I don't know why I'm saying this time around. It's my first time watching. I technically it's my first time watching, but I watched it twice. Just uh, yeah, I, I saw it twice. Make too. sure I knew what was yeah. going on. Yeah. Uh, this film was. Kind of famously um, inspired Sergio Leone. Um, this and Sanjiro, the sequel to um, inspired Sergio Leone to make um, the um, Fistful of Dollars and a Few Dollars More, which are very similar in theme. I actually haven't seen Sanjiro yet, so I'm not sure if that one's the same as A Few Dollars More. But um, I know this one's very similar to um, Fistful of Dollars, and even um, Kurosawa sued Sergio Leone because he didn't like have the right to. Um, remake it or whatever and um yeah very very similar um have you seen the fistful dollars i have not mm. i have not seen much clint eastwood surprisingly yeah it's, yeah it's pretty much the same film except for um the main character is a cowboy you know like a clint eastwood cowboy um I've seen unforgiven good film i need to see that yeah i haven't seen enough clint eastwood films um and yeah, you know, it takes place in the West. So, 
but yeah, it's pretty much the same story. Um, apparently, Kurosawa also um, this was kind of a remake of an earlier film from the '40s. I forget what it was called, and I guess oh. he didn't have the right to um, remake it either. <laughs> but, I don't know. <laughs> I read that on the IMDb trivia. Well, thank you, IMDb trivia. Yeah, there's some some good. Juicy tidbits of trivia there. Just a lot of really good scenes in it. Uh, I really like the one when Sinjuro is um he's gonna they're all gonna fight, like the two um two opposing sides. They're they're like gonna fight and he's gonna like lead the one side and, and then he's like, you know, um they were like planning to kill him afterwards and he's like, Nope <laughs> and just like run, runs away and is watching and, and they're all kind of you know, everyone's acting so tough, and then when they actually have to fight, they're, they're like, kind of nervous. Uh, I, yeah. I thought that was a great scene. The whole um, dynamic between the two clans, and even in the clans themselves, are amusing to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I really like all the characters in it. They all have a lot of personality. Um, Especially, uh, fuck, uh, Inokichi. Oh, is that anyway? Inokichi? 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 Yeah, Inokichi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's funny. Around. He's great. He's one of the funnier characters in the film, bringing a uh, element of humor into it. Yeah, that's another thing about the film is it does have quite a bit of humor in it, uh, which I wasn't really expecting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not like you know, it's not too comedic. It's not like it's a comedy. Um, but it's definitely got a lot of lighthearted moments. It's goofy stuff, um, which I enjoyed. I thought the tone worked well. Um, the music also helps with the tone a lot. Yeah, I find yeah, the music part. to be a very central central part of the film. Even though, like, I had some minor issues with how it was um, cut between the scenes. Like, the music would swell up and then it would just, like, cut to silence. It's kind of weird. Yeah, there's one point where, um, let's see, um, uh, Sanjiro, he's, like, hiding in a coffin, and the one guy is, like, carrying him, and, like, one of the, uh, I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, Kichi or whatever. They're, like, both carrying him, thinking it's, you know, like. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, like, the music is playing, and then, like, the guy walks off, and that just cuts. Like the music just ends, and it, like yeah, it, it's not um. Maybe there are a few points where it wasn't um. Because that's more editing rather than direction. It does have good editing, though. I, I think. Um, I mean, the editing is good, especially. I mean, going along with all the elements of cinematography and blocking and stuff. Yeah, I feel like editing is um kind of overlooked until it's bad. You know, if there's bad editing, it's obvious, but. A lot of good editing goes unnoticed, which is kind of, you know, it's doing its job. Then you have unique editing, like, with stuff, uh, like, uh, Edgar Wright. Or Clint oh, yeah. Tantino, even. Oh, yeah, there's definitely some, some directors or some films that have, um, very distinct editing style. Um, but for the most part, like, like a film like this, I feel like the editing just kind of goes unnoticed because it is, it is good. Um... And there, there was one thing that kind of bothered me in this, um, in the some of the fight scenes when they're um, fighting with swords or katanas, I guess. Um, fuck, is that a specific kind of sword that I'm messing up? I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. Anyway, in some of the fight scenes when people are getting like cut up and stuff, 
doesn't look like they're getting cut up. It just looks like they're being hit with like sticks or like you know fake swords. Um, yeah, there was definitely one scene towards the latter half of the film. I keep saying that. Funny. Um, we like he makes a small movement and it is supposed to have killed the guy, but I was like, did did he not just touch the guy? What what happened here? Yeah, and. Yeah, stuff like that um, was a bit noticeable. I mean, there are some parts where like it'll cut, and you'll see like a cut-off arm fall down or something. I think the best one, in my opinion, was definitely when uh, Sanjuro is trying goes to save the guy's wife. Oh, yeah. He's being held captive, and he busts up in there and just slaughters everyone, and then... Just trashes the place, yeah. To make it look <laughs> as though they get killed by the other clan. Yeah, I like that scene too. Just watching Toshido Mifune just crash a room is entertaining. <laughs> um, I want to point out at the very beginning of the film, uh, Sanjuro, we don't know his name yet at this time, but he throws a stick up into the air, and where the stick lands is because he walks, walks up to like it was like a split path or something, so he throws a stick up into the air. Where it lands, he goes. So it was kind of just a flip of the coin how he ended up. Yeah, he just kind of comes into town and, like, um, you know, the whole thing's going on, the whole, like, rivalry gang war thing. And um, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, this is interesting. I'll stick around. Um, and also, what's interesting is, like, his character, you're not really sure what his motivation is. Like, at first, you kind of just think he's, um, you know, he just wants, like, money or whatever. Um, and that kind of does turn out that he's just, um, you know, he is kind of a good guy. He just kind of wants to... Well, I mean... It's, in, it's in a way. Pretty heavily like, into that, that he, he stays because he realizes that these men do deserve to die. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, but, like, by the end of it, he doesn't really get much out of it other than that. Yeah. Um, I just think it and it felt like not the ending like the ending sequence, but like the actual ending just ended kind of abruptly. Um, like it just kind of like boom the end and then it's over. Maybe that's because there were no credits because it's an older movie and they don't usually do that. Um, you most of the credits were at the beginning. Yeah, that's how a lot of older films do it. This movie made me fucking hungry. I'll tell you that much because every time Sanjuro goes and does does something. He ends up eating afterwards. Yeah, yeah. There's that one scene when he's like eating out of like a pot. It's like got something like boiling in there. That looked really good. Yeah. And uh, I just want Asian food now. We should talk about Tampopo on here at some point. That's a good Japanese movie that'll definitely make you hungry. Oh God! I already have to snack constantly. I don't think I got much more to say about this one. Um, just a few notes I have. Um. Sanjuro has a shoulder tick, kind of just, I'm not sure if that meant something, or, I don't know, he just, he always kind of moves his shoulder. That. Um, yeah, that's about it, that's about all I gotta say. Um, I really enjoyed it, I, I think it's a solid movie, um, and, but it just didn't. It just wasn't next it, level it for didn't me. Hit like I thought it would hit. Yeah, it's definitely you know it's very influential, um, and it is very well made, and I, I really appreciate it. But it just doesn't 
it's not quite the level. Um, maybe it's because I had high expectations because it's very highly rated. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I think it's just a solid movie. Uh, I'm still waiting for Kurosawa to really blow me away, but um, I'm sure we'll talk about more of his stuff at some point. Like, yeah, like I mentioned before, like Seven Samurai, High and Low, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, I would. You got anything else to say about this? Not really. I've covered it about as much as I could. Can. Okay, yeah, I would give this one a 7 out of 10. A solid 7. I'd probably give it about a 6 out of 10. It's just... I don't know. I just didn't vibe with it completely. I don't hate it. But I don't love it. So I guess I'll just stick with liking it. I, I was not a big fan of the pacing. The fa- pacing just felt odd to me. Like, it was a bit long-winded for me. I felt like they could have cut out a little bit of the... Uh, Bickering, I guess, between the two clans, and actually got stuff done. Uh yeah, I know what you mean, but I think um, I thought it was the pacing was fine. Um, I I thought it was maybe like yeah, maybe like could have cut out maybe ten minutes or something, but it it didn't feel like it was long to me. Um, it did, but yeah. yeah, I'd like to check out the sequel um at some point, but uh yeah. Uh, that's uh, about it for this one. So, um, thanks for the recommendation again, Nicole N. Um, I hope this was a satisfactory discussion of this film. Um, and do recommend more things in the future. Um, and anyone else listening, recommend something down below. I don't think you can recommend, or I don't think you can comment on like Spotify. So, yeah, I gotta go to the YouTube, which I'll, will be linked. Um, should we, should we now get on to our, our next recommendation by, um, recommended by Mav. Um, Paris, Texas from 1984, directed by Dim Vendors. I, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, I looked up the pronunciation and I said it was Vim Vendors, so. He's like, what, German, I think? Yeah, he's German. Who is another director I'm not familiar with. This is the only film I've seen from him. The only one I've seen from him as well, but I, I've been meaning to check out like pretty much the rest of what he's done. Yeah, I really want to see um, Wings of Desire and um, Until the End of the World. I actually own the Criterion <laughs> for Until the End of the World, but that movie's like fucking five and a half hours long or something, so... Yeah, it, it's a daunting task. Maybe we should... Uh... Try to visit visit it one day. Yeah, because yeah. I definitely like to talk about some really long movies on this podcast. But um, yeah, it's like yeah, two hundred eighty seven minutes that movie is. Anyway, um, Jim Vendors, um, uh, Paris, Texas, nineteen eighty four. You wanna give a plot description? So basically, hold on, I'm gonna go to the letterbox. Just uh. Because I don't want to, like, descript it so badly. Because I could just be like, man pops up, man meets son, man meets wife. Yeah. Um, A man wanders out of the desert not knowing who he is. Brother finds him and helps to pull his memory back of the life he led before he walked out on his family and disappeared four years earlier. So that's generally... Yeah, that's the, the general gist of it. So, 
it, it never really diverges on what happened before. It only ever hints at also, it. Also, this is this is also spoilers. So. <clears throat> Just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it never really... Ex- it never fully explains everything about it, um, which I think and is a I, good thing. I, 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 I know it's probably because of the way they shot the film, which was chronologically. Mm, yeah. Plot and shooting-wise. They were shooting day by day, scene by scene, pretty much. Yeah, like, I, I watched an interview with um, Vin Vendors on the Criterion Blu-ray. Um, and he said, like, they never went to a specific place and said, like, this would look great in the shot, or this would make a great shot. They just kind of did yeah, it, you know. all on location, as they yeah. were. And uh, they got really lucky with a lot of their shots. I know they had to wait for uh, any time there's a train scene. There's quite a few train scenes in the movie, if you haven't noticed. But those trains would only come by once a day. So they had to like either get there or just wait for the train to get the shot that they needed. Yeah, and like train tracks. You said scene when, um, oh, what's his name? Travis, uh, the main character, played by Harry Dean Stanton. He's like walking on the train track. Um. I feel like that's almost like there's like a metaphor there, but I, I ain't yeah, I, I feel like I feel like there that. are deeper meanings in this film that I may be missing, um, especially with maybe some of the um, some of the lighting and colors in the film. Uh, a lot of reds, a lot of greens. Um, I feel like I'm typically reds, like the lighting, and there's more red objects scattered around the film. Yeah, and like, you know, um, Travis and his son are wearing red shirts at one point. He's got the red hat at the beginning. Um, there's like a red car. Um, yeah, a lot of red in particular. Um, yeah, like, I feel like there are deeper meanings in this film that uh, maybe went over my head, but I, I still love this film. I think it's uh, a masterpiece. I think at the core, it doesn't get enough credit for like being a romance movie pretty much. Yeah. Because the entire yeah. movie is based around Harry Dean Stanton and his uh, uh, wife's, right? Yeah, like ex-wife, kind ex-wife. of? Ex-wife. I guess because he hasn't seen each other in four years. Yeah. Yeah, really great. Really great lighting and cinematography in this, too. And just, like, beautiful, like, landscape shots of the desert and the city. They use the panoramic photo lens for a lot of the outside nature scenes, which are all natural lighting. And those clouds, the reason they pop so much is because of the filter they used. And I think it gives the film a really unique look that other films don't have. Cause yeah, for sure. Like, in other films, the background is usually like blown out to a degree. Meanwhile, you can clearly see like the fucking shading in the clouds. Yeah, yeah, really, um, really great looking movie. Gives everything a unique natural color too. So, should we talk more about, like, about plot-wise, kind of? I mean, plot-wise, it, it takes a while for uh, Travis to even speak in the movie. Yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's like, the like, first, like, half hour. He's just kind of, like, mute. He's a, Yeah, he's mute, doesn't answer, kind of tries to run off every time, every chance he gets. I didn't really see it as he was trying to run off. It was more of he's just, like, completely out of it. He just, like kind of just walks away because he doesn't really like he wasn't really fully aware of what he was doing that's how i felt uh, more than like he's trying to escape from his brother 
Um, I mean, but... he's been walking for four years. It's never diverged on why he's been walking, per se, even though it's, like, heavily into that. But, I mean, after four years, it's like, where has he been? How has he kept alive? And none of it's diverged upon. But that's not really the core of the movie, is what he was yeah. doing for those four years. Um, it's what he's doing now that he's back into society and conforming. Yeah. He's trying to conform to what he's missed out while really trying to like pick up pieces of his life, kind of. And ends up going on a search for his wife. And, and like, I don't think his wife pops up in the picture until like 52 minutes into not, not exactly 52 minutes, but she it's more than about halfway through the film. It's the first time she pops up. Um, and it's not even... No, it's, it's more like the last, like, 40 minutes when she... She um, pops up on the uh, Super 8 camera footage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like you're right. Oh, I just meant, room. like... I mean, I thought you meant, like, when she actually appears in the film. Um, not her first human appearance is until, like, last 40 minutes. Yeah, it, it really, um... It takes its time. Um, to get going and just kind of play out, but I don't even and mind the film's that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The film's like two and a half hours long. I think it's like uh, two hours and twenty six minutes. It, it really, um, even though it's slow paced, it, the film just goes by for me. It, it's really usually um, like the first forty minutes, like not forty minutes, but like usually when a movie takes a bit of time to take off, I can get bored. With this one, I don't, because I guess if you're like me, you're a cinematography porn guy. Mm, uh, and, yeah, for sure. Um, this film is filled with it, so I have enough going on cinematically to enjoy. How many times have you seen this one? Because this is my second watch. I I started the commentary actually today. I didn't get through it because I kind of like took a nap. But uh, so I've I've seen it about two and a half times now. Mm, okay. So this is also my second rewatch. But during the commentary, I wasn't really focused on the movie itself. I was focused on the words by uh, the director of Vinders. Yeah. Yeah, Harry Dean Stanton is just really great in this film. This is like one of the best performances I've seen in something, I'd say, because he's just... His, he's even... It's one of his favorite films, or was one of his favorite films, because he's passed away. Yeah, unfortunately. yeah, he was a He wasn't actor. even supposed to be the... Uh, main character in this film, actually. It was supposed oh, to be Sam Shepard, who's the guy who wrote the script. Because this was before he was known as an actor, so he was kind of busy script writing at yeah. the time. Yeah, I can't imagine this film without Harry Dean Stanton, because he just really yeah. um, really brings a lot to it. He's such a was such a great actor. Um, just like his like facial expressions and like he says so much without saying a word. Yeah, especially in the first half hour where he literally doesn't say a word. Um, and yeah, it's just really great, great filmmaking, um, great acting, um, especially in that in the the booth scene, um, which is like the famous part of it. Which we'll we'll get into uh, a bit. I feel like there's a bit yeah. more we can say before we get to that because that's like the the climax of the film, kind of. I really enjoy the scenes of like um, first uh, in, in the first part of the movie, like um, Travis the and between Travis and his brother. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. But like, I really enjoy the scenes of them like in the car driving, and then later with yeah. Travis and um, his son Hunter. Hunter, I think that was his name. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, them driving to like, it's just such a. Um, it's not really a road trip movie, but like in a way, it is. Um, I mean, it's considered a road trip movie in some circles. Yeah, and I just really love that. It's such a the whole movie's kind of a vibe, you know. But um, it, it's definitely nice for typical road trip movie either, where it's just one location and then they it takes a while to even get to L.A. and then once they're in L.A., he goes off back to uh, what was it, Dallas or like Austin, Texas? Uh yeah. Austin, Texas, Houston. I think they go or to Houston. Houston. Yeah. And Paris, Texas, which was, um, you know, the name of the film, which is the little, a um, lot of land, um, Travis that, like bought. This is like an empty, empty and lot. It's, uh, it's supposed to be the land that uh, his parents, their parents, met and fell in love at, which is yeah. why he bought it. It was like the first time they had sex or something there and like he thinks he was yeah. conceived there um yeah i see that kind of as like you know it's just an empty lot it's almost like um you know because he had plans to like you know go there with his family and live there and kind of build a life there and but it's just empty because it's you know his life kind of kind of fell apart after he um you know the whole um, thing with his wife and yeah which i find it Interesting how his wife is first introduced through super some super eight camera footage, family video, if you will, which uh, shows uh, a younger uh, them younger and enjoying their life as a family complete and everything's happy go lucky, which uh, that scene was actually uh, at the it was filmed after. At the end of the film, like after they finished wrapping the film, they went down to a beach. Him, it was only Vin Vendors and the five actors. Mm. They went. They went down to a beach and uh, shot it there. That's interesting. And, like, yeah. One night. Yeah, that was a great scene when they're watching that. Like, you know, you could just tell um, how he it, feels about like you know seeing one it. of the key moments where Hunter really starts. Yes, tonight recognizing that uh, Travis is his dad and starts to connect with Travis. Yeah, I also really love that dynamic between Travis and his son. Um, how at first um, Hunter is kind of, uh, I don't know if he's really like afraid of him, but he's just kind of, doesn't really know what to think, kind of. And because, you know, he just fucking shows up all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, after like never, you know, kind of not really being there because when he left, he was like, what, and like, like Hunter, three years old or something. It, it takes a bit for Hunter to f- fill him out, vibe him out, you know? Yeah, and like, yeah, because, and also, like, you know, the parents, like, um, oh, or I, I guess it's not his parents, but like, you know, they're, um, Travis's brother and wife. Yeah, they're uh, kind of like, like, the wife is like, she's like nervous that, um, you know, um, Travis is gonna like take the son away, you know, because it's like, you know, that's like kind of her son at this point. They've taken care of him for so long. And that was interesting. And, like, yeah, I just really love the whole thing with um, Travis and Hunter. Like, how he wants to walk back from school. And first he doesn't. Then they, like, they're walking back on opposite sides of the street. Like, that was a great scene. It's just got so many great little moments in it. The first day he goes to walk his son is, like, 
he goes to the maid and he's like, I want to dress like a dad. I don't know how to dress like a dad because he's been out of, out of it like for four years. Yeah. And I didn't contact Mr. Sadie. So the first time he goes to try to walk with his son, he's dressed like a dad. He's supposed to be a dad. Oh, yeah. I was going to, I know they, it seemed there was a scene where they announced the license plate of the car that they're driving because car Travis is like attached to the car because I guess it's, I don't know why Travis is attracted to that specific car, but that's the one he likes. And then in the movie, they go looking for it, and the name of the license plate is 667DJP. I- I'm not sure if that has any significance to the plot that I'm missing. Um, I don't think so. Like I said, if there's like, I'm sure there's stuff that I'm missing because this is a, you know, it's a, like, the plot is straightforward, but I feel like there's a lot more um, kind of underneath that maybe I'm missing because I've only seen it a couple times. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't know if that has any significance, that number or series of... I don't know. It, it just stuck out to me. I know this movie generally has this nice Americana, southwestern United States look and feel to it, especially with the score and soundtrack. Oh, yeah, the um, kind of the twanging. Um... Which was uh, inspired by uh, an old uh, blues guitarist uh, by the name of uh, Willie Johnson in 1928. Mm-hmm. And he had a song called Dark Was the Night, and that was like the song. R.J. Cooter, the uh, guy in charge of the score, like, is the song he uses as the basis for the sound that I felt. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy that. Um, yeah, just whole film really, really great. Um, uh, there's that one scene where Travis is walking on like a bridge, and there's like that guy yelling. Um, yeah, he's like yelling <laughs> about some religious mumbo jumbo. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's it's all gonna. Everyone needs to get to the safe zone or some shit. Like I don't really. I guess that's maybe. I, 1984 LA for you. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Um, slice of life, which is kind of like what the film kind of feels like. It's kind of a slice of life film. Oh, for but sure. For a yeah. very unique family. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of like a family romance as a whole, even if it doesn't present itself as that. Yeah, because like the first time I watched it, um, you know, I wasn't familiar with the director, and I, I knew it was very highly rated, so I was excited to see what it was. And, like, I didn't really know where it was going. I I almost thought, not really thriller, but, like, I thought it was going to go in a direction, because, um, like, it's very, like, mysterious in the first, you know, in, in the first maybe hour. Like, you know, I, I didn't really know where it was going with the whole, you know, he just wanders out of the desert and, like, wants to find his wife and stuff. I, I didn't know where it was going. I thought it might go in, like, a... I don't know, like a darker direction or something the first time I saw it. Um, I'm glad it did not go into a darker direction. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I love the film how it is. And like, after I... but like, generally it's a, it's an all appeal film. Yeah. Like, like, there's no really kind of thing about it. There's no really like sad, depressing cliche moment that like most films have. They always have like a first and second act, and, like, there's the sad moment, and then it's the third act. This film didn't really have Not that. that. I do think the film's maybe, um, 
Yeah, it's never got I, like that big depressing moment. It's got a kind of like a melancholy. Um, it's not really depressing, but I guess one of like the most more depressing parts is both the like ending and um, even though the ending's not really the last shot of the movie, we should say. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, the, the whole film has a like a tone of like melancholy and like regret, um, kind of. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's never got like. Even. Yeah, and like it's never got like a like a big like the big uh, emotional beats you'd expect in in a in a drama about this type of thing. And um, but yeah, the first time I saw it, I was kind of I didn't know where it was going. And like by the time it got to the third act, uh, some of the stuff you know when he finally finds his wife and they're like in the booth and stuff, it's like oh, so this is where it's going. And I really enjoyed it a lot more on second watch, knowing you know where the story goes. So um, yeah, that was interesting. Um, it's always a pleasure when the film adds more every watch. I think the second watch of a movie is more important than the first watch because, um, you know, sometimes you watch a movie for the first time and it's like, man, this is so fucking great. And then you watch it again. It's like, you know what? It's okay. Or like you watch a movie the first time and it's like, you know, I don't really know how I felt about that. And then the second watch is like, really, really connects with you. And, um, yeah, just, you know, if you're going into a movie knowing what to expect from it. Um, I, I feel like that is a is a better experience, you know. Yeah, and the whole um, camaraderie of Hunter and Travis is very is very lighthearted and f- very uh, wholesome, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy that, and like their conversation, like when the sons, um, when Hunter's telling him about like. Um, Different stuff, like in the car, he's telling him, like, oh, the universe exploded into existence and stuff. Just, like, that whole, um... I, I really enjoy all the moments with them. And, um... Or, like, when they're sitting in the back of the truck eating... Oh, what the fuck are they eating? It's, like, something French or something? Anyway, they're, like, sitting in the back of the truck and they're talking, yeah. or... Um... When they're, like... I really love the part. Um, this is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's just such a small scene, but... Um, after the first time, he um, Travis goes to see his wife in the I don't know what is that place it's like a call girl type thing club I guess where you like yeah sit there behind a one-way mirror and talk to a girl um yeah and, and she's in there and he talks to her like very briefly that first time um she you know she just knows him because it's a one-way mirror and then it goes back and like he goes to a bar and gets kind of drunk and then, like, him and his son, like, his son kind of drags him over to, I don't know, what what is it? It's like a, it's like an empty building, kind of? Yeah, it's kind of sketchy, back alley kind of thing. Yeah, and he, like, drags him over there, and he's just, like, laying on the couch, and he's telling him about, uh, like, his mother, and the way his father, like, felt about it. And it's just, like, such a great scene, because it's not, like, it's not, like, uh, you know, it's just such a, like, small moment, and I really love that. I just really love the, um, yeah, like you said, the um, camaraderie between the between those two characters. Um, also, the child actor is goodness. I forget yeah, his name, child but actors. sometimes child actors fucking suck in movies, and it just ruins it. Because, like, you know, I mean, they're kids. I wouldn't expect every child actor to be great. Um, but, you know, I always like to see a you know good child actor. Does that sound weird? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, like, I like it when... Um, the child actor doesn't ruin the entire movie, you know? The child actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
just the way you phrased that was uh, pretty funny. That's a um, one of my favorite sauce. things. <laughs> Sussy Baka. <laughs> anyway, um, what were you saying? One of my favorite scenes of the film is after uh, Travis goes to see his wife at the Carl Car Carl <laughs> at the uh, Carl Girl Center. The Carl Girl um, Center. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My southern slaw coming up. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he goes to see his wife and he walks out and Andre asks him if she, that was her and she he says yes. So then they go to like eat somewhere I think, and so they end up in this town and it's kind of like a. Small town, I guess, from the outskirts of LA. Yeah. Country type vibe. Anyways, they go to a bar, and the bar seems like you finally see how much Hunter and Travis are like his father and son, how they're both stubborn and kind of like to be alone when they're angry. Yeah, that's a, that's a great scene. Um, yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great scenes in this film. And um, the the last act is definitely one of the best final acts ever for film. Yeah, for sure. The entire um second booth scene, um, when he goes back to see his Which um, is talk probably to his wife again. the most famous scene of the movie, the big Oh for movie. sure. It's like it's like one of the best scenes in anything, I'd say. I mean it's up there in like yeah. favorite scenes. Um Yeah, he finally goes back to see his wife again. And she doesn't know it's him at first, and he's telling their, kind of their whole, um, you know, first he says, like, oh, uh, can I tell you a story? And he's describing their, kind of how their relationship kind of broke down, um, and, you know, how it was going and stuff. And he was suspicious that she was cheating on him or something, and then, you know, he got kind of, I don't know if an alcoholic, but like he was, um, drank a lot. Uh, yeah, how he was kind of abusive. How he would do stuff, like tie a cowbell to her, and so she wouldn't run away, and like he tied her to a stove or whatever the fuck. And yeah, he you know he just runs, and then he says like he ran all all until morning or whatever, and he he was kind of running ever since. To I guess he went to like Mexico, and then you know like at the beginning of the film, he just walks out of the desert like you know, running um, from his responsibility. Yeah, and. It's just such a great scene. The acting is so good in that film from both, or in, in that scene from both of them. Um, and it, it, you know, it's very simple. It's just kind of like um, I was high watching the last mirror scene, and that shit elevated it so much. Nice, uh, but yeah, that whole that, that whole part, and then um, um, yeah, it's just such a. I hate to sound happy, but it's such a moving, moving scene. Um, that that whole that whole part. I'm not sure how long it goes on for, but it but it's a it's a pretty long scene. It takes up the majority of the last scene. Like yeah, last and it's just them talking, you know, and it, it's so um such a such a great yeah, and and they never actually um meet like face to face, you know. Be, yeah, you know, actually, uh, in the yeah, film, I didn't even realize that. And um, 
Uh, is there more we should say about that scene? Am I missing something, or should we get on to that? Uh, the color was on point in that scene. She's wearing oh, yeah. pink. The first time he sees her, she's wearing pink. Yeah. Yeah. And... Oh, yeah, the color in the, in the entire film. So much great, like, neon lighting. Like, when he first walks into that club or whatever it is, there's, like, that red light in the stairwell. Stairwell? What the fuck? In the staircase, and then, like... <laughs> You know, or all the scenes when they're in like um, motels and like, um, like there's a cafe and it's just like all the like lighting is just so great in this film. But um, then there's the last scene in the movie, which it's not a happy ending, unfortunately. Yeah. So after he, you know, they kind of talk um, about their. And she agrees to see Hunter. Yeah, that, that he's in the hotel or whatever. And then she goes to see him. And I, I really love that when they kind of reunite. Uh, it's also a great yeah. scene. And, like, they're just, like, you know, she, like, hugs him. And they're just standing there. And then you see um, Travis standing outside, kind of, like, I guess, he, yeah, by his truck. And, like, he's looking up at the hotel. So I kind of imagine, like, he saw him. Um, and, and then he just gets in his truck. And also the lighting in that scene is so fucking cool. Like, that's such great. Looks like that whole part looks great, and then he just gets in his yeah. truck and like drives away. I don't know. Is he going back to the desert? <laughs> I don't know where Travis is going, but I hope he figures it out. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I said, that's kind of a. It's not really depressing, but it's not a happy ending. It's bittersweet because you know. Yeah, it's um, very. She reunites with her son, but he's um. A good tearjerker moment. Yeah, but but without being overtly trying to be like tugging your heartstrings you know which um yeah he's just you know he's he's trying to make it right trying to fix things and then i guess he fixes it only so much yeah it's like he realized that he was better off i guess in his mind better off without the without them in his life they were better off without him yeah yeah i see i see it more as they were better off, or he thought, like, they were better off without him than, like, he's better off without them. I don't think that was the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the... Travis's brother and his wife thought of that, because, like, you know, Travis just kind of takes off with Hunter. He doesn't... He doesn't tell them. And, like, they were, like, really upset in that one scene when, like, Hunter calls them from the gas station or whatever it was, and, like, says, like, oh, I'm okay, I'm with Travis. Like, I wonder, like, how it played out then. Because, like, they, you know, they still wanted Hunter. And now, what was her name? Jane, I think it was? It was Travis's wife? You know, now she has him, so. I don't yeah. know. Just a. Anything else? Um. Uh, I saw um, a Letterboxd review um, that pointed out a kind of a biblical, um, What's the word? Oh. Um, parallel, I guess is the word. Biblical parallel. Yeah. Um, of, I guess, I'm not that familiar with biblical stuff, but it was like, um, I guess, Moses um, wandered the desert for 40 years. And let's see what it says. Something, Moses wandered the desert for 40 years, and thus he was not allowed to see the promised land. He was not able to enter it. His only solace was leading others to it, and they might enter and lead a better life than him. Which is kind of what he does. Oh, he comes out of the yeah. desert, for, and then he leads Hunter, you know, to his, you know, to his mother. 
Um, so that's interesting. I mean, I didn't pick that up at all, but that was I saw that on a Letterboxd review. So that's a very interesting. Um, I love it when I can read something like that, and it makes me appreciate the film more because that's kind of a. Um, it's like ooh, a new way to view the film. Yeah, like a new level of it. Um, so I wish that, we got a commentary with Harry Dean Stanton. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I need to. I still need to listen to the one with. Was it Finn Vendors? Was that the commentary? Yeah, was? It's Finn Vendors. All right, yeah. news. Yeah, I always like when Criterion um includes uh um audio commentary. I like those. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have it much more to say about it, other than it's a masterpiece and I love it. And it's probably one of my favorite films from the '80s. It's definitely one of my favorite films of all time. It's in my top four easily. Um, I love this film. I think it's a masterpiece, but I wouldn't put it in like you know top top favorites. Um, it's like top mid top favorites. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, uh, yeah. I would give this a nine out of ten. Um, I don't really have any flaws with it to be honest, but it's not quite ten out of ten level. Um, yeah, I, I kind of save that. I, I kind of save that. Um, I, I save ten for like I don't know films that. Um, blew me away. This film blows me away too. Like I, I think, I don't know. There's just a certain thing ten tens have over nine tens. A certain amount of pizzazz, a certain amount of jizzy jazz, a certain amount of jizz. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. Yeah, there's nothing. I, I really don't have any flaws with this movie. I, I think it's pretty much perfect, but it's just not um, ten out of ten level for me. Um, but yeah, I'd give this a solid nine out of ten. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely one of the. I would put this as like one of the greatest films ever made. Really, I, I think it's brilliant. Really, really I think great. it's up there too. Yeah, and just such good acting and looks great. And it's very well paced. Like I said before, it's oh yes, it's not even for a moment is it dull, even when like not too much is happening. So you too would give it a nine out of ten. Yeah, nine out of ten for me. Uh, yeah, uh, R.I.P. to Harry Dean Stanton. What have you? What else have you watched this week? Oh, um, before we get onto that, yeah, um, shout out Mav. Um, what's the channel name? Who who recommended this film? Um, yeah. So I hope this hope our discussion was satisfactory, and please recommend more stuff. Everybody can recommend. Yeah, anybody, anybody who's listening, um, we do need recommendations like for Oprah. Oprah. <laughs> do we people recommend stuff to Oprah? To recommend stuff to us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, only three people recommend stuff for this one, and you know, we got some got some good discussion out of it. But we better if whoever listens recommend something. If you want to hear us talk about it every third episode, <laughs> um, you'll if you're on, if you're listening to this on Spotify, yeah, um, go over to the description and go to YouTube and um, comment it down below. So yeah, what else have you watched this week? I I saw No Sudden Move, which is Steven Soderbergh, 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 yeah. And the Fish Islands in a 
fifties, I think forties, fifties, sixties. Retro mobster type flick. Hmm. It's about these two uh, guys who get caught up in a uh, sham and then figure out a way to uh, sham themselves all the way up to the top of the ladder. A trailer for that. Um, it, look, it looked. Look, look it's got decent. a great cast. It's got David Harbour, uh, Don Cheadle, Brandon Fraser. Yeah, it's coming back. Hell yeah! I mean, I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, did we bring that up in the last episode? I think we did. Fuck. The Aronofsky? Yeah, the whale. Yeah, the whale. I forget if we brought that up in the Hellraiser episode or not, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Um, yeah, Brandon Fraser coming back. Brandon Fraser, David Harbour. Is it Benicio Del Toro in there? Yeah, Benicio, Benicio Del Toro's in there. Yeah, it's got a great badass cast. Oh, yeah, it's got Kieran Culkin. Mm. Yeah, Corey Steven Culkin's Soderbergh, brother. he's kind of an um, uh, interesting director. He He's kind of all over the place. Like, he's made a... I mean, I, I haven't seen that many of his films, but I know he's got a very... um. Interesting filmography. Um, he oh, does yeah. a, a lot um, of different stuff. I've seen like the couple of the Oceans films. Um, I've seen like I don't know if I've seen these other birds. Yeah, he's got like the Oceans films, Contagion, Logan Lucky, Magic Mike. Uh, side effect. Oh yeah, I want to see um, Sex Lies and Videotape. That one's supposed to be good. Um, Unsane. Wasn't that the one that was like shot on an iPhone or something? I'm not even sure. I don't know if yeah. I've seen much Spider Birds for some reason. We should do a double feature and talk about both Magic Mics. Just... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> oh, I, I need to see Contagion, especially with uh, the whole pandemic going on. Yeah, wasn't that like the number one like rented and watched movie when like. Oh, All the COVID wow. stuff first started happening. Wait, yeah. does something bad happen if we say COVID, or is that over? Remember for a while? Ah, I guess that was YouTube with being monetized. Oh, man, monetized I don't anyway. know. I didn't even think about that. Nah, we're not. That was for people who were monetized on YouTube, and we're not even close to being monetized. So we can say all the bad stuff if we want. Fuck. <laughs> Pussy ass say bitch. whatever you want. <laughs> Side effects also looks decent from Steven Soderbergh. I remember when that was in theaters, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had no interest in it. Oh yeah, he did that Solaris. Um, it wasn't really a remake because it was um, a, a slightly different adaptation of the book, but um, he did that Solaris with George Clooney. That was. Um... I'm not sure how old, but uh, I never finished the original Solaris for some reason. Yeah, I think the original Solaris is like one of the best films ever. And yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of the remake. It kind of leaned into like a sort of generic um, romance like drama type Hollywood of thing. <laughs> yeah, it was so much. I mean, maybe I'm just comparing it too hard to the um, 70s one because, you know, Tarkovsky is one of my favorite directors. But yeah, it's just I, I couldn't help but compare it. And it's just so much weaker because like Solaris is very um, philosophical and uh, it's, it, it's a very deep film. I don't fully understand it, but um, 
And yeah, and the remake was a bit more, yeah, more Hollywood, Hollywoodized, if that's a, that's a word. Generica. <laughs> As what's his name from Hellraiser Revelations said. Anyway, uh, is that all you watched this week? Pretty much. I watched some TV, but that's it. Yeah, I, I watched, uh, let's see. I rewatched Weekend from 2011, which is really great gay romance. I picked up the criterion of it um, by a sale, and yeah, I really love that film. I don't like romance movies, but I have a soft spot for that one. I'm a sucker for a few of them. A Walk to Remember. I like that movie uh, a lot. Yeah, I haven't. It's just not really a genre I actively like seek out to watch. It's like I never want to sit. I never like sit down and think, "Man, I want to watch a romance." But there are films that I like that are. There romance. are some really good romance. Pair sex is. Yeah. Romance. Yeah. Um. Solo. <laughs> um, I have such like built. Each of the killer is low key a romance. Not gonna lie. Uh, I talked about that in the Each of the Killer episode. Um, Yeah, that one's... uh, Anyway, um, I also watched... (laughs) Yeah, I've mostly been watching... um, uh, I've been kind of binging Six Feet Under. I finished season four and just started the final season. Uh, There's only like ten episodes or like eight episodes left. And I'm really loving that show. Um, I'm kind of... It's like kind of a bummer that's ending, you know? Uh, or not this ending, but like I'm getting to the end of the show. But yeah. I'd rather have a show go for you know five really good seasons and drag on for like ten seasons and just get worse and worse until you don't even want to watch it. Um, so like, yeah, that's that's cool. I'll probably finish it by next episode. I'll give sounds some. Sounds like aging. What? Sounds like aging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also watched the, um, <laughs> I watched the Sorry, Eddie Murphy stand-up special, Delirious, um, which is, oh, yeah. wow. I've never seen that. Yeah, yeah, Eddie Murphy, he's just hilarious, um, especially in that, I haven't really seen that many Eddie Murphy movies, but that's just such a great, um, stand-up, it's like an hour and some long, it's pretty short, um, yeah, it's and it's, it's kind of a classic. Oh yeah, he's yeah he's he's great in it. There's a lot of jokes in it that, oof, really uh, <laughs> wouldn't be able to get away with it today with it being completely canceled. But I think it's hilarious. Uh, it's a great, great stand-up. One of my favorite um, stand-up specials, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, I haven't didn't really watch a lot. Like I said, I've been watching about Six Feet Under. So I'll probably get back into watching movies next week. Um, yeah. Because I'll probably finish Six Feet Under over the weekend, uh, and of course I watched Yojimbo and Paris, Texas. So, uh, yeah. Al, is there anything else to say, or should we get on to our recommendation? I guess recommendation. I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I wish I did. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, which brings us to recommendation for the next episode. Um, Andy, it's your turn to recommend a movie, and we're, what we're going to kind of do from now on is um, one of us will recommend a movie, then the other one will recommend a movie kind of um, similar or in some way um, 
generally connected to the other one in, in some way, just to, you know, um, we're not going to talk about fucking two completely separate movies. Whatever, just... Yeah, you have recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> what is your recommendation for next episode? Interstellar by Christopher Nolan. Nice. Yeah, oh, I, no, haven't, I, said, um, I haven't seen that one for a while. Um, when Me I first neither, saw it, actually, I saw also, it I kind of recommended, um, since we're going to try and talk about at least two movies per episode, um, depending on how long the movie is, like if we go ahead and, yeah. whatever, I'm going on and on. I also recommended High Life from 2018 by Claire Denis. Um, and both of these films are sci-fi dramas, which I watched a while back and wasn't the hugest fan of because I just wasn't fully getting it, um, yeah. which I want to revisit. So that's the that's the theme for next episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, I own the I, think I bought the 4K of Interstellar, so that should be that should look. Um, it's a very uh, visually striking movie, so that should be cool. I've seen it like twice, I think, for some reason, but it's still one of my favorite movies. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um. I would, from what I remember, um. It's probably one of the lesser known ones, but like I really need to rewatch it because I remember a lot of great parts and a lot of parts I didn't like so much. Um, same for High Life because like I didn't really understand what the fuck was going on in High Life, and I've been <laughs> wanting to revisit it for a couple of years now. So yeah, um, so if you're interested in that, check that out in um, episode five, I guess. This is episode four. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's it. Is there anything we should say before the episode ends? I don't know. All right. So see everyone in the next episode. Um, and like I said before, recommend a movie if you want to down in the comments, and we'll probably talk about it. Um, in the what would it be seventh episode in the seventh episode so yeah. yeah also check out those discord servers i shouted out and follow us on letterbox you find <laughs> and instagram at long and instagram yes. uh yeah so that's about it uh see you next week yeah